Hello and welcome to Forces Sport. Happy Monday. It's me, Kath Brazier, joined by Julian Evans. Bit of a nightmare this morning, Jules, coming in. Reminder of um, real-life commuter traffic. Oh, was it log-jammed? It was log-jammed. And all it is is one one road in London on my commute that's gone down to one lane and it takes me three times as long to get in. So I say happy Monday with reservations. (laughs) Was it the paparazzi trying to get an autograph with you? Never, never. They just come to the front door, you know. I ignore them as well. Anyway, coming up, we have a chat with Sarah Hawkes, an elite army judoka who's looking forward to competing at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham this summer. If selected, she'll be representing Northern Ireland. It's a really lovely thing to have it, you know, so close to home because, you know, it means the likes of my family and friends and that. If they're obviously allowed to be there to spectate, can be there and support me. And and it's just nice. It, It builds a nice atmosphere whenever you're competing. Um, and it's obviously nice the Commonwealth Games because I get to represent Northern Ireland which makes it that little bit special because obviously at every other international event I'm at it's Great Britain I'm representing which is wonderful Um, but it's that little bit special because I get to represent particularly where I'm from. Obviously proud of her origins but I'm sure every sports person who's eligible to compete at them hopes to one day go to the Olympics and Sarah is no different. Obviously the ultimate goal for any athlete is the Olympics that would be an absolute dream if that could happen and every athlete's going to think about that, myself included. Uh, it's just more so taking it one step at a time at, a minute, at the minute and, and looking towards the Commonwealth Games and, and sticking with that and focusing on that and trying to get through these tournaments without them being cancelled up until then so that I can get the best seeding position possible. Another very level-headed sports star in the military, Jules, and she says she credits a lot of that to being in the army. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? Because the army do operate that... TAS scheme, the Talented Athlete Scholarship Scheme, and it really has helped some of the very best military athletes get to the top and compete for their country. So fingers crossed that we can see Sarah competing at the Commonwealth Games. Absolutely. Now do stay with us if you want to hear more from Sarah, but first let's take a look back at what happened this week, and it was the first round of Challenge Cup Rugby League for the men, with all three military teams involved. The weekend got underway with the Royal Navy up against Bridgend Bulls on Friday night, playing only their second match together in 20 months. They hammered the Welsh Premiership champions 60 points to nil. They scored 11 tries, eight of them converted without reply. After the game, captain Ben Taylor and coach Steve Lockton gave their reactions. 1-17, to 17, everyone done the job. Uh, that, what I'm most proud of is that nil scoreline. We kept them out, they didn't score. Um, and that's you know what we talk about all the time, being ruthless and just keeping on top of them, scoring and scoring. I think 2015 was the last time we got to the second round. But to score 11 tries, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. But the icing on the cake is, is the zero uh, against a good side with a really good set of halfbacks. Now, the headline news really is that the Royal Navy will now meet the Army in the second round after the men in red beat Oral St. James 18-10. That's going to be quite some match-up, Jules, because, of course, they didn't get a chance to play against each other in services last year. And it's in a couple of weeks and it's going to be a home game for the Army. So it'll be in your neck of the woods all the shot. Well, the Army had to come back, didn't they? They they weren't in the batch at all against Oral St. James. Uh, They couldn't get... Close to, to getting a try, but I suppose you could say the superior fitness of the military men counted. And to come away with an 18-10 win against a tricky place to go, Oral St. James, 
the army will be buoyed by that. And as you say, there's a mouth-watering prospect <laughs> now of them taking on the senior service, the first inter-services clash of the season. And can't wait for that. Be delighted to see what uh, old Steve Lockie Lockton can do with <laughs> the band of brothers, as they're known, the Royal Navy. So an interesting fixture, to, uh, none the least, to, to say about that. So really looking forward to that one. And of course, um, you know, our, our colleagues at the BBC were put on the Army's game live on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see which rounds or which games they pick for um, viewing. But I mean, great for us just to just to, you know, just to have the two military sides up against. We almost want it later on, but I suppose it's probably fitting that it's sort of second round. Well, the, the beauty of this is that there will be at least a forces side going through to the next round. Yeah, so that's, that's you know, true. let's let's you know, count count our chickens. Is that the phrase? Count our blessings, count our chickens. Count our blessings, I think you don't count, count our chickens. <laughs> no, can we carry the chicken and minus the... Anyway, not such good news for the Royal Air Force, though. That was a fixture that you made the away trip to, dedication there. <laughs> yeah, a little trip up to West Yorkshire on Saturday for me. And I got there and you could not even see the rugby pitch. It was Thornhill's really high up. The fact I was told is that the highest point on the M62, which is apparently very high, Thornhill is higher than that. So the fog... I don't even know that the fog had descended. We were in the we were in the fogs. We were so high up, but it wasn't good news. As you say for the Royal Air Force, who were beaten twenty four six by a well drilled Thornhill Trojan side in West Yorkshire. As I said, their assistant coach Chris Davidson and captain Liam Bradley spoke after the match. Oh yeah, you can always take positives out of games. Um, you know, we've, we've put a team of, uh, of players here together. You know, some of them have not not met each other. You know, this before this week. Uh, you know, and they've, and they've come onto the pitch against a team in the Premier Division of the NCL. And you know, for, apart from a few odd mistakes, you know, here and there, you know, our execution could have been a bit better. Uh, I think you know we pushed them all away. Oh, that's a bit a bit of sweet. Well, obviously, we, we hope them for the best. Some of them we play with them in UCAF and stuff, so we wish them all the best and hope they go as far as as they do. But obviously, um, we just concentrate on ourselves, really. Yeah, Liam not giving away who he'll be supporting in the second round. A shame to not see all the military sides go through, but two out of three isn't bad. Listening to Chris talk there, it sounded a bit like he was describing the England cricket team in that some of the players <laughs> hadn't met each other before before things got underway. Yes, we'll move on. We'll talk about the cricket a little bit later. And, and I think um, the easiest way to deal with the sadness that we are experiencing after Australia possibly is just to look uh, look ahead to A, that the women's Ashes gets underway on Thursday. And of course, there's another tour in the West Indies for the short form of the game getting underway on Saturday. So plenty of cricket to look forward to, fingers crossed. Um, now, John Knighton's been very busy. He was at the Royal Navy game on Friday night in Bridgend, and he preceded that with a trip to RAF Holton for the Sir Sefton Branker Trophy Race. I've been practising that all week. In the women's race, the RAS Chloe Richardson led from the very start, and she was never really troubled. She's been selected to run for England next month and is hoping to achieve elite RAF sports status so she can focus on her running full-time. This course is so nice, um, and I'm in quite a big block of train at the moment for Manchester Marathon, so it was nice to just come out and have a hard run, use it a bit of training, but like the girls, like the first lap they put up a good, they did put up a good race, so I really enjoyed it. Meanwhile, in the men's race, it was a really tight finish between the RAF's Mike Callenberg and civil servant Tom Adams. The last lap turned into a two-way fight, which Adams won, Callenberg just three seconds behind. Here's both men on that result. It was a really tough race this year. It was um, just just we were, we were neck and neck most of the way around. 
nice to just be back competing, really, after this event being called off last year. So, and as I said, thanks to John Knighton for covering. Both did you the cross-country did you have cross country at school when you did when when you did school when you were at school? Was it cross country? Do you know we didn't we didn't actually have much in the way of athletics, and it's it's a, one of the biggest. I wouldn't say regrets because when you're eleven, you don't really think about that. But is that when you I, left school? Eleven. <laughs> no. I don't want to say it, it does show, but I don't want to bring that. <laughs> what? Because I'm a sports journalist. It's um we we had so many grounds at school and so much room and I, I it's one of the things that I really wish I hadn't I didn't do I wish I hadn't I wish I had gone to join an athletics club because something like cross country I I love my trail running now and you know things like tough mudders and stuff like that so we had yeah. something called the post office run which okay. was a bit now as you you're probably thinking where does the post box come where does the post office come in there was a post box so that you'd have to run out of school all the way down to this post box. And then background into the another gate that would come into the school grounds. But me and my mate would nip through my auntie's back garden, which <laughs> knew, backed on. I yeah. knew you'd be cheating in some way. So we would cut cut a cor- <laughs> cut a huge corner, but we were bright. We didn't actually then go and win the race. We would wait until the leading pack came through, and then we would join in the back. And then some of our other mates cottoned so onto this. You were actually just lazy. Did not even Absolutely. want to win the race. You weren't competitive. Absol- no, you were just lazy. Because if you did win that race, you would then be put forward to the county championship <laughs> squad. So we weren't stupid. However, some of our other mates cottoned on to what we were doing, and we would actually charge them a little fee to follow <laughs> us through our aunt, my auntie's garden. So it did was, your auntie see any of that money, or was it just straight in your pocket, Evans? Well, it was a bit awkward sometimes, depending on the time of the year, because she was a keen gardener and she had like a raspberry plot and a strawberry plot. <laughs> And depending on when the post office run was taking place, we would stop off and have a little nibble <laughs> of the preservatives that, or you know, the preserves that she had growing at the, at the time. Oh I mean, I must God. say the run the runner beans were always um, not a favourite. Although no, it I, have been I bad, didn't think but... so. Far too healthy for for teenagers. Well, but there you go. Gonna, there's a. You were going to tell us about some winter sports, weren't you? I was. Um, so after that, an enlightening insight mm. into your teenage years. There's been more success in various winter sports competitions. Good to see visually impaired skier Millie Knight and her Royal Navy guide Brett Wilde in the medals at the World Para Snow Sports Championships in Lillehammer. They came away with a bronze in the Super G. RAF athlete Shona Brownlee, meanwhile, is making a habit of grabbing silvers. She came second in the Sitski Super G. Now, something I didn't mention last week is these championships in Norway in the first time para alpine skiing, para cross country skiing, para biathlon and para snowboard events have been held together and they continue this week. Elsewhere in Samaritz the bobsleigh boys are sitting fifth in the World Cup rankings, four man bob and fourth in the two man sled. This weekend was the last World Cup event before the Olympics and fingers crossed we'll be speaking to military men Taylor Lawrence from the Royal Marines and Nick Gleason from the Parachute Regiment this week as they look ahead to the biggest races of their lives at the Olympics. No pressure, boys. Just one final piece of winter sports news. The Army's Amanda Lightfoot, who has been around forever, Jules, a GB athlete who's already been to two Olympics, she managed one of her best ever results in the 10K pursuit at the World Cup Biathlon in Slovakia, coming fifth. I say, I know you said that that was the last piece, piece of winter sports news. What about Preet Chandy? Oh, what about yes. Preet Chandy? We, we, we must mention Preet Chandy. So we know Preet Chandy from her tennis playing days, uh, but she has just accomplished a fantastic feat. She's just trekked her way across the South Pole. I wanted to know, was it was she using tennis rackets on her feet like <laughs> they do in the Tom and Jerry cartoons? Is if they were, 
if they were, they were very defensive because that's her style of play in tennis. But Well, um, well done to Preet. Uh, she's back safe and sound, back in the country. And yep. some of our colleagues caught up with her last week. But a chance for us to say well done. And hopefully she will be a future guest. BFBS, the Forces Station. This is Forces Sport. Hello, this is Julian Evans and over there is Kath Brazier. A chance now for us to catch up with one of the leading lights from the military martial arts community. It is Corporal Sarah Hawkes, who will hopefully be competing for Northern Ireland in judo this summer. So at the moment I've met the qualifying criteria to uh, go forward to hopefully be uh, selected to represent Northern Ireland at the Commonwealth Games this summer. What did you have to achieve then to, to get that qualification grade? So it is a point system. Uh, you have to at least at a minimum win a medal at an international level. Obviously that under normal circumstances would be a little easier. Covid's made it a little difficult but thankfully my success in Dakar uh, secured that for me so I've made the uh, criteria to go forward now. Yeah that was the African Open wasn't it? So a huge tournament for you. Did you surpass your own expectations? Were you looking to peak for that competition? It was uh, mixed emotions. Uh, so obviously we'd all been out of competition for a little while and it was sort of going into a little bit of the unknown because we've been out of the competition circuit for a while. So um, I knew what I needed to do. And like any other athlete, I go in there wanting to win gold. Uh, fortunately, didn't quite go to plan, but I came away with a bronze medal, which secured my place, which obviously was the main goal for me at this point. But going forward now, hopefully there'll be more tournaments that don't get cancelled and things with COVID and I can up the results and, and do better going forward. Yeah, that was just before Christmas. So did you give yourself Christmas and New, Year, New Year's off to eat as much as you could? Because we did. <laughs> I do that 365 days of the year. I, I was allowed to let my hair down a little bit. Uh, I was allowed to, you know, eat, eat, a, eat a good bit and uh, yeah, get a little bit merry and enjoy myself. But obviously now we're firmly back on track and training every day and, and, and got my calendar set and ready to go for the year. Really, really excited. Does it help that, um, I mean, I know it's not Northern Ireland, but does it help that it's a sort of semi home games coming up in, in Commonwealth Games. Do you feel like you'll have a lot of crowds? It's a, it's a really lovely thing to have it, you know, so close to home because, you know, it means the likes of my family and friends and that. If they're obviously allowed to be there to spectate, can be there and support me and, and it's just nice. It, it builds a nice atmosphere whenever you're competing. Um, and it's obviously nice, the Commonwealth Games, because I get to represent Northern Ireland, which makes it that little bit special. Because obviously at every other international event I'm at, it's Great Britain I'm representing, which is wonderful. Um, but it's that little bit special because I get to represent particularly where I'm from. The club that you train at week in, week out has some GB athletes in it, those that have competed yeah. at, the, at the Olympic Games as well. So what's it like when you're preparing for a major tournament yourself having those people around you? It's fantastic. I mean, Camberley Judo Club, there is nowhere better in, in my view. Um, you have a great range of experience there. Everything from, you know, they run the novice right up, but they obviously have several Olympians on the mat and medalists as well. The coach himself is an Olympian. Uh, I have plenty to train with from heavyweight females down to lightweight females, lightweight males to heavyweight males. I get a really, really good mix of everything and good experience and a coach that's super experienced himself. Yeah, Luke Preston is the coach that's there. And I've spoken to him in the past because there have been forces athletes that have used that facility Camberley in the past. What is it about military people and the sport of judo? 
I mean, there's a lot of transferable skills, as they say. You know, to do well at judo, you need to be disciplined, obviously, committed, and it's robust. I mean, as you can see going on in the background there, you do get thrown around a little bit and, and hit, but it builds that robustness, which is obviously really good, you know, it complements each other really in the military career and the discipline to turn up to training, to train hard, you know, you've got to focus on diet, training, all really good things that can help you in both your military career and your military career can help you in your judo career. And when you get to the stage of being an elite athlete and, and competing for your country, um, where does the improvement come from? Where, when you get on the mat, is it the fact that you, because through fitness and, and nutrition you're getting fitter and you're a better athlete? Or in terms of judo, you know, is it finessing the techniques? Where, where are the improvements made? It, it, there's a lot of things. I mean, our training becomes very specific. So I'm on specific six-week blocks, for instance, on my weights, on my conditioning. Uh, we will have blocks of techniques where we will just pick our skill set of what we need to work on. And that's all gained through experience. So, you know, if I go to a judo tournament, for instance, the African Open, uh, one of the competitions didn't go my way, one of the fights. I've taken from that, I've learned from that, and I will now work on that until I can get that right. And that may involve weights and strengthening up certain areas that were a little bit weak. Uh, technique, looking at techniques that maybe did, I didn't quite pull off, or a technique to combat whatever it is my opponents may be throwing at me. What is the magic of judo for you? Why do you still put yourself physically and mentally through it? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great. It really is. I mean, it comes right up from you know, the friendships you make, you, you meet so many people. I have made so many friends from across the globe, from traveling through judo, you know, training in Japan, uh, doing it with the army as well. I meet people from all cat badges and all ranks. Uh, it's just wonderful things like that. And then the competition itself, I mean, with any sport, competition's exciting. You know, the adrenaline before you get there, the adrenaline of achieving and winning and, and having your goals, it's great. It really is just a great all-round sport. I think the first time I met you, you just joined up, or you were definitely very new into the army. You've come such a long way, and you know, you've got an army career as well. What, it seems obvious, because the two have gone so well together, but what have each discipline, the army and judo, what have they brought to your life, and how have they helped each other to get to this point? Obviously, both as careers, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed my career with the military police so far. Granted, I've been in full-time training for some time now, but, um, I actually got the opportunity during COVID to go back and do a little bit of my job. And it was great to go back and go back to doing some military PT again. A little bit of a shock to the system, but it was great. It was great going back and, and doing a bit of that. And I do think it definitely helps. I mean, the army makes you robust. You know, you have to be robust to, to survive in the army, to do the PT, to, to do exercise and things, which obviously has made me quite a robust judo athlete, you know, and it, it means that I can... I don't want to say take a hit, but, you know, I can get landed on and things and I'm, I'm going to be OK, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think my military career has absolutely helped and have been incredibly supportive. I mean, I can't thank the RMP enough. They have taken it, you know, to, to release me and fully support my decision to, to go into full-time judo. It's not unheard of that those in, with a career in the police, whether it be civilians or, or the RMP, sometimes get potentially could get into a scuffle. Confidence-wise, does it know that you have got these tricks in the back of your locker, if you like, that you can use in those instances? I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd rather uh, resolve anything verbally first, but it is nice yeah. um, to know that I have the confidence, especially as a female. That's what makes it such a great sport for females, is that, you know... Um, 
that it gives you that confidence to know, you know, okay, if, if things go wrong here, um, I know a few things that I can maybe do that could, you know, stop me from getting hurt or injured and, and hopefully stop my assailant from doing any further damage. So it definitely great confidence builder. In my view, particularly for females as a sport, it's, it's a really, really good martial art to get into. And was judo, correct me if I'm wrong, was judo a family thing anyway? That you sort of came from generations? Yeah, like so... My whole family's actually done it at some point. Um, my mother, brother and sister have all done it um, to various different levels. Um, some didn't stick it out as long as others. Um, myself and my sister stuck it out a bit longer, um, but it's been great. I mean, it was also a great way for us to, you know, get together and do something fun together. Granted, my poor mother had to deal with the three of us wrestling in the house, but <laughs> It, um, it, it was yeah, but a great that was sport. early training. Exactly. It wasn't fighting, it was early training. <laughs> exactly, definitely, definitely not siblings fighting. <laughs> so having that family support then, that must be crucial when you are preparing for these major tournaments. They know what you're going through. 100%, I mean, my family fully understand and fully support. Uh, for instance, obviously me uh, coming from Northern Ireland, my family are all there and I'm living in England but it means that they're very supportive knowing I may not be able to get home as much as I would like um, because they know that I have to focus on training and stay here and do what I have to do. Uh, so it is great having that support, but it's also really nice that whenever I do achieve or I do well, that they're there for me and they're, they're cheering me on, as it were. Have you given yourself a timeline of where you would like to go within judo? Is, is there an ultimate goal? Yeah, I mean... It's a little bit, I know I keep bringing it up and COVID, 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 but it, it, it has sort of affected things a little bit. I think at the moment I'm sort of going right, Commonwealth Games is the goal and, and that's what I want to do and that's what I want to achieve. Um, and obviously with COVID having affected and, and us being such a close contact sport, it's hard to know when things may or may not get cancelled with us. So at the moment for me personally, I am sort of taking it one step at a time and the main goal at the moment is the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, the ultimate goal for any athlete is the Olympics. That would be an absolute dream if that could happen. And every athlete is going to think about that, myself included. Uh, it's just more so taking it one step at a time at, a minute, at the minute and, and looking towards the Commonwealth Games and, and sticking with that and focusing on that and trying to get through these tournaments without them being cancelled up until then so that I can get the best seeding position possible. And a lot of... Um athletes that we've spoken to at, at your level sort of elite level in, in various different sports they they feel this it's not an extra burden I think it's it's a good burden to have in that you're carrying the badge of Northern Ireland at sometimes you're carrying the badge of Great Britain but also you be you'll be representing the army and that must be very important as well at whatever level massively I mean I couldn't do it without the army as I say um, military police you know it was a choice they didn't have to release me but they have released me and let me do do this. And you know, financially and everything else, they've been there for me and it's just great to have their support. The Army Sports Control Board, all of that just comes together. You know, the BAE scholarships, TAS, all of that, all those avenues of support are great to have. It means that I can get to where I need to be and I wouldn't be here without it. Yeah, we've got the Army Championships going on in the background and you've spoken so eloquently about it being such a vital sport or a good sport for, for women to be involved in. Very few women here today. How can we, can get, how can we get more female soldiers or, or across the other two services as well involved? I think the main one is, is getting it out a bit, you know, getting the word out about it and spreading it and the likes of myself putting it forward. Unfortunately, current circumstances with COVID, there hasn't been a lot going on for us to sort of 
get that push on. Well, that will be a fascinating athlete to watch come the summer in those home Commonwealth Games. Well, she sort of referred to them as, as home ones because it, it's so close to, to Northern Ireland, so she thinks family will be able to come and support. But, um, yeah, great things to come from Sarah Hawkes, I think. Can you imagine growing up in the Hawkes household? <laughs> the wrestling I can actually imagine it, with two it brothers. Must, it must have been like Pink, pa- you know, Pink Panther with Peter Sellers and Kato <laughs> hiding behind every door, <laughs> suddenly just sleeping on you. Not now, Kato! Yes, I think it was probably a very active ha- household by the sounds of She's things. She's actually picked up a bit of a, a little bit of an injury. She went to GB training after we spoke right. to her. And she's picked up a little bit of an injury. So um, hopefully she'll be over that. So speedy recovery, if you're listening. Of course she's listening. Of course you're listening, Sarah. <laughs> speedy recovery, and we'll see you on the mat very soon. And of course, if you want to hear more from Sarah, you can um, visit the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube, where we've got a full array of forces sports stars that we've been speaking to ever since September. Lots more, more on there ro- as more well. More of a rogues gallery than an array, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think we're getting a good mix in. We severed away from rugby for the for the time being, um, but I'm sure we'll come back to that. But yes, go to the BFBS Sports Show channel on YouTube. Now, um, it, it's a story that's been dominating the headlines the news headlines as well as the sports headlines. But Novak Djokovic has returned to Serbia. He will not be defending his title at the Australian Open. But it is underway and um, without their number one star. But sad news for Britain. Cam Norrie went out in the first round um, and he was seeded 12th, highest he's ever been seeded for a major tournament. And he went out in straight sets to Sebastian Korda. So not a great start. And depending on when you're listening to this, all the others may be out as well. Well, yes. I mean, it is a it is a Monday. Yeah, Radicanu and Murray start their campaigns on Tuesday. Now there was a bit of betting going on between my friends about who would come home first, England cricket or Djokovic. Um, close call in the end because um, quite soon after it was announced that Djokovic was being deported. Um, very sadly, uh, another batting collapse from England. I don't know why. I imagined they'd be able to bat out for another two days but um that didn't happen um alistair england spent more time in quarantine getting ready for the ashes (laughs) than they actually did participating in the ashes we could do a whole program on on what is going wrong uh, just as an aside did you see rory burns hair so there's an england opener he's one of the the batsmen that goes in first did i see it i mean you couldn't miss it (laughs) so normally he has his hair up in a bun but on this occasion he decided to dispense with the bun and just had his hair look like some sort of Samson character or the thing is my my elder brother also has hair that long and um, wears it down the entire time so it wasn't uh, for me bat? I just went no, <laughs> your brother bat? No. Oh, right. well, do you know what he probably he no was very he's very talented at sport he just doesn't sort of use his skills uh, now Alistair Cook said this is rock bottom for England and there's been a lot of chat about the fact that test cricket is disregarded but um a lot of people have come out in the media and said that actually Test cricket is still number one. But like I said, hmm. the loss has nothing to do with Root. Um, it's got a lot to do with how we treat Test cricket in this country. Um, more Australian success in the snooker with Neil Robertson winning his second Masters snooker title last night. He beat England's Barry the Hawk Hawkins 10 frames to four at the Sheffield Crucible. Have you ever watched Snooker Live, Jules? I have. Not, yeah. Have. So yeah, when I was growing up, yeah, snooker was one of these sports. So, um, wow. met John Virgo. Wow. Um, and I sat next to, he didn't know this at the time, but I sat next to Steve Davis in a curry house in Ripley in Surrey. He didn't know that he was sat next to the Julian no, Evans. He, he did not know that. Um, so, there, there, there we go. I always get Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor mixed up, but. Um, what? I know. <laughs> 
I always forget that one had the glasses and one didn't have the glasses. Yeah, one's from Northern Ireland and the other one's from Romford. (laughs) That shows you how much I watch snooker. Um, There was more Australian success in the netball. They are absolutely cruising at the moment. But more importantly for us, England came from behind to beat New Zealand 49-46 and earned their second successive win of the quad series at the Copper Box Arena at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. They beat South Africa 71-47 in the first match and they now face Australia who beat New Zealand in their first game and that is tomorrow so if you're listening later in the week yes we'd love to know what the result is on that and finally just a a little word on football just because it's everywhere Rafa Benitez your your man at Liverpool but um sacked to Everton a big surprise for you Uh, not really for me no not not at all uh the surprising thing was that he was ever appointed right Um, not not perhaps too much baggage to go in there and, and all sorts of things going wrong at Everton but some good news north of the border because Scottish football is returning after its winter break oh, so, wonderful. And, this, and this time with crowds so that'll make Ooh. more of an atmosphere yeah so looking forward to that getting underway again Absolutely. Now, just looking ahead, um, and I'll be quite quick on this. If you were listening last week and haven't heard the good news, all is well with Maribel and the Inter-Services Snow Sports Championships will be going ahead from the 30th of January. And finally, um, the Talisca Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Um, they have a winner, which was a Swiss boat that came in on Sunday. Um, the Forces boats, there is a Forces boat arriving in Antigua today. Um, it's called Atlantic Flyers, full of RAF men, and it's currently battling it out for second place. So we'll up date you on that next week but that is it from forces sport for this week as ever we'd love to hear from you especially if you have any sports stories of your own or there's something that you think that we should be that's crying out for us to talk about remember remember you can get in touch by emailing us here at forces sport at bfbs.com and as we said earlier, listen to our back catalogue of fascinating conversations with our military sporting stars at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts. The full interviews are also available on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. Lots to come up, lots to reflect on. Thanks for listening. Until next week, goodbye. Your goodbye was actually longer than the England cricket innings. I've timed it. Thank <laughs> you.